Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Internet Marketing. Wow, I think it actually worked. Uh, I was having a few technical issues there before recording, and I didn't even know whether I'd get this one out, but here we are. This is going to be a bit of a different episode today. I'll let you in on a little bit of a secret. I do not like that intro music. And I'm saying it with a smile because you might think to yourself, well, why have you persisted with that intro music for a year? Let me just start there for this episode. So this episode is going to be a little bit of a rewind. Yes, I bought sound effects. So it's a little bit of a rewind going back, I guess, over my first 70-ish episodes over the last year since I've been host. I wanted to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the Internet Marketing Podcast, share a little bit more about myself, share our plans for the future, and maybe for you people out there that are thinking of launching podcasts, maybe you already have a podcast and you're thinking about how to grow it, give you a little bit of insight and my advice and the lessons that I've learned through podcasting over the last year on the Internet Marketing Podcast. So I'm in a completely different recording environment today. I'm back in our office. If you remember what offices are, it's funny, I have a colleague, Dave Gregory, where he described coming back to the office after being away for so long as like being in a time capsule. That's kind of how I feel. I'm looking around in here and it's strange to think of the time that's passed. It kind of feels like looking around. I can't believe that I worked in this environment. So we're remote first now. We're all accustomed to working from home after doing it for 18 months. We're going to be remote first, moving into the future at Visibility. And I just can't believe that we were working in this place for seven and a half hours a day. Uh, to me, looking around, I don't know how we were productive in this environment. Yeah, it kind of feels like productivity's graveyard. It's really strange to be back here but i also needed to get out of the house you know i've been stuck in the house and i thought i'll try a different recording environment try a different technical setup and also just try a different episode format just as something a little bit different for the podcast so though it's a bit creepy in here and you know i am a little bit freaked out being alone and it is getting late on in the night i'm going to try and pull back the curtain 
as it were, on the Site Visibility Internet Marketing Podcast. Talk about some of the experiences over the last year. Talk about some of the lessons. Give you guys an insight into what's going on in the future. And um, hopefully encourage a few of you who are listeners and particularly long-term listeners to reach out and maybe share your ideas for the podcast, share guest recommendations, topic recommendations. I want a sense of community for this podcast. And actually, this maybe start there. Uh, you know, I, I ask guests at this question a lot. I say to guests, what triggered your move into a certain career or what triggered you to launch this product or service? And I'll give you a little bit of an insight into the trigger, the motivator that inspired today's episode. Actually, before I do that, I should probably let you know, just going back to what I was saying at the beginning there, I am in a different recording environment. I am back in the office. I do not know whether this sound quality is going to hold out and whether it's going to be listenable. I hope that it is. Over this last year, I've been recording at home and I've got all my fancy microphone, and my audio interface. Uh, but today it's just me, my laptop, and I have a, for you audiophiles out there and for you podcasters, the people that are interested in the technical aspects of podcasting. I'm using a 12-year-old microphone today called a Samsung Go mic. And it's one of the most portable mics on the market. It was originally launched and recommended for content creators. Um, and I picked one up just because I knew at some point I would be recording in different environments. Maybe I'd be traveling. I couldn't take all of my audio equipment with me. And so I wanted something that's just a little bit better to record on the go. I'm wondering how this is going to turn out whether the audio quality is going to be up to the usual standards and how it performs in a different environment. So let me know your feedback on that. And also apologies in advance if it isn't up to the usual standards. I know I'm particularly fussy when it comes to listening to podcasts. And when you get that changing quality, it can be a bit jarring. So this isn't here to stay, but maybe it'll make an odd appearance as I record some remote episodes and episodes from different locations. A few episodes ago, I hosted a podcast with someone by the name of Felix Velarde. And I think the podcast title was How to Scale at Speed. He's recently released an awesome book about how to grow businesses at speed. And in our pre-podcast recording, he asked me a question that I get a lot, and I'm going to cover a lot about this on this episode today. But he asked me a question that I get asked a lot, and I never really have a sufficient answer for. And that always grinds on me a bit. It always just sits there on my brain. I'm always not satisfied with my own answer to the question. And his question to me was, you know, Scott, before we start with today's recording, can you let me know a little bit about the podcast, which I always do? And can you let me know who your audience are? Who, me? And that one's the one that got me because I can always describe our audience in terms of analytics. We have data. You know, we have iTunes analytics data. We use a hosting platform called Acast, and we've got Acast demographic data. And I was able to tell him that, but it's it's not really satisfying. It's not when you answer that question, you really want to answer it with a sense of knowing your community. And I don't really have that. Uh, and we haven't had that previously. So it's not just me. It goes back historically to you know, when Andy hosted the podcast for a long time. And yeah, it's always just sat with me and I've wanted to learn more about our audience. And so I answered him. I said, 40% of our listeners from the US, 40% from the UK, 
20% of the rest of the world. If you're interested, we have pockets of listeners, it seems, in Germany, I think Australia, a couple of other locations. We have more of a, a male than female and non-binary split, but we don't really know too much else. You know, I've always said that I assume our listeners are a mix. And I know this because sometimes we get emails from listeners or we uh, get invited to pitch for marketing business from our listeners. So over the years, we've had listeners that have come from small and medium businesses, sometimes startups and entrepreneurs, sometimes uh, marketing managers or senior marketing managers, that kind of mid-level marketing role in national, so UK-based or international corporations, and then sometimes these kind of corporate behemoths. I know we sometimes have listeners there as well. So we have some data on that, but I still don't know too much about the people apart from some of the podcast listeners that we've had in the past that have eventually turned into clients and those people that I've met and I've learned a little bit more about their experience listening to the podcast. But we're talking a handful of clients and this podcast at its peak over the last few years uh, you know, at its peak month, there's probably been 30,000 listeners a month. And it's probably averaged fifteen to 20,000 listeners a month for the last two years or so, up until the recent Apple update, which I won't cover on this episode, but that has hit our subscriber base a little bit. And so it sat with me for a while and I answered Felix and we talked a little bit about that and podcast analytics. And then I just thought I'd share a little bit more in this episode to try and open up the conversation and let you all know that I want to learn more about you, more of the people that are listen. This podcast has been hosted now for over 15 years. I think in the blurb of the podcast, we explain that it's been downloaded over 2 million times. I suspect it's even more than that now. And as I've just mentioned, on average, the last couple of years, um, somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 listeners a month. Now, even if you podcast analytics are questionable at best. But even if we say 10% of that is true, that's still a couple of thousand listeners out there each month that are consuming this podcast on a frequent basis. And yet I'll get a couple of emails a month, maybe a couple of messages on Twitter or something a month or LinkedIn. Um, and that's it. So I'm really seeking more of a sense of community for this podcast moving forward. And so that's what triggered this episode today. I thought, well, if I want to trigger a sense of community, then I also have to share more, try different formats and actually just say that out loud and share it with you. And my goal initially over this last year was just to get into this process of taking over the podcast from Andy, who had done a great job for five, 10 years or however long he was on the podcast, pick up where he left off and make a few format changes long-term listeners, you'll know that I've extended the episode length. I've definitely um, taken more of a research and interview-based format to the podcast. But that's really not enough. That's not all I wanted to do. That was sufficient for the last year. But if we're going to grow this podcast and truly make it one of the best marketing podcasts in the world and one of the most enjoyable for me as a host, we've also got to make some format changes uh, and also just invite our audience in to dictate some of the topics the guests, and the format of the podcast into the future. So that's where I'm at today. That's what brings me to this episode. And I just remembered as I was talking, I don't know if I covered off this point just a moment ago about, I, I just mentioned Andy there. I don't know whether I covered off the point about why I've stuck with the the intro for the last year. So the intro music is just one of those things. My goal over the last year has just been to 
host the podcast, get better at interviewing, get better at hosting, get better at editing, get better at production, and just bring you better quality marketing insights. That's been my number one goal. And so the music, the intro and the outro music has really just passed me by. I accepted it. But it's funny because every time it comes up in conversation, I always explain to people that it reminds me of like a, a um, it's like a 90s talk show, a bit like Maury or Montel or something. Um, it feels a bit outdated. It doesn't feel like it represents the podcast that I want into the future and that, that really represents the marketing of today. But I also kept it in there because um, there's Andy's voice on the intro and I thought it was a nice little nod to Andy who held down the podcast for such a long time. And so you know, maybe in our future, there's a new jingle, there's a new intro. I'd like to see that. If you're out there and you're listening and you happen to be a beat maker or a producer and you think you're a jingle maker and you think you could produce something cool for this episode, please do reach out to me. Maybe I'd like to do something where I keep Andy in the intro though. I just And um, maybe even Kelvin too, who also held down the podcast for such a long time. Uh, back in the mid 2000s. So that's not our new jingle. That sound effect there, it represents this topic that I want to cover, which is who makes a good guest for the Internet Marketing Podcast? And this is a question I get a lot both from guests. I've also had it from colleagues in the past. And actually, I just I know it's more of a general, um, a general podcasting topic. Who makes a good guest? And also, how do we select guests for the Internet Marketing Podcast? So I just want to explain a little bit about that. So the first thing that you should know is that even though that I'm the host now, I was working and I've been working on the Internet Marketing Podcast since I think around 2015, maybe even 2015, 2016. And I've been working closely on the production side, so actually organizing guests, outreaching, finding guests, accepting guests, getting them booked on with Sean Nichols, our marketing manager. And we were working on that together pretty much from 2015, 2016, right up until this point now. Sean's still working here. And so we work closely together on booking guests on the podcast. And Sean helps me out a lot with that. And in the past, we've had colleagues who have helped with that process as well. We get a lot of inbound inquiries. This podcast has been hosted for 15 years. And so you can imagine, you know, we're typically in the top lists of marketing podcasts. A lot of them um, we have been for a while. There's a lot of information about this podcast already available. We're 600 and something episodes in. And so people know our email address. They know our details. They know about the podcast. And so we get a lot of pitches to be on the podcast. And actually, over this last couple of years, as, as there's been this kind of third or fourth podcast boom, we've started to get a, an increase in pitches from podcast consultants and agents and agencies who are trying to get their client onto our podcast. So we get a lot of inbound inquiries and a lot of inbound pitches. And so that actually makes the process as a host, as a producer um, of this podcast, a lot more difficult because we just have this, I would say maybe we get tens, maybe not hundreds, maybe just tens of podcast pitches per month. And there's just a lot to filter through. They range in length. They range in detail. And there's a lot of research that you have to put into before you decide on who to bring on the podcast. And ultimately, as I said at the beginning there, my goal is to bring the best marketing insights possible. And so that takes a lot of consideration. I don't just want to bring anyone on the podcast 
And so I want to break that down a little bit and describe who makes a great guest. So firstly, just the characteristics of a great guest. I love it when I sit down, and it actually happened with Felix recently, and it's happened with loads of people where I sit down and you automatically, you have this feeling that there is there is no defense, there's no barrier up, and someone's willing to share their opinion on a topic and open up and trust you freely. So it's a default position of trust that's so important to me as a host. If I have that, that always makes for a great episode. I love it when that happens. It also helps when I know that a guest has already put their time in to their field of expertise. So for example, I don't always think that it's length or uh, length of experience. Sometimes it can just be their body of work. That's what's important to me, someone's body of work. So if, for example, they have a podcast themselves, or they've had a blog for a long time, or they've recently released a book, those are all indicators to me as a host that this person cares specifically about this topic. And I know that I'm going to be able to have a really good conversation with them because they thought deeply about this topic. I really love that. And so it's a big tick in my box. If I get inbound inquiries from people that have written books, have their own podcasts, maybe have been blogging, just have a body of work that's out there onto the, in the internet already around the topic that we're talking about, that's always going to be uh, yeah, a big tick in the box for me as a host because I know that I can hook into that research and surface some really great questions that might get the guest thinking in a different way, but also teaches me a lot too. And that's the real sweet spot that I'm looking for. It's also really important to me that a guest isn't coming on our podcast to just try and sell their most recent product or service. Uh, That can be really tough. You know, some episodes, if I'm talking to someone and I get the sense that they're in sales mode, I have to try and break that down and get back to the topic. And that can be a little bit awkward at times. It's not particularly enjoyable as a host when you have to try and rein someone in and have a conversation with them about the topic that you had previously agreed. So I'm really not into guests that are trying too hard to sell their product or service. There are always going to be, and I actually think this is a real interesting point about authenticity. As a podcast listener, you value it so much more when you listen to a guest and they find a way to describe their opinion on a topic and how their product or service helps align with that topic more naturally and not uh, in a direct sales way. You tend to appreciate it more, you appreciate their time more, uh, and you appreciate, yeah, I I guess you appreciate their non-sales approach. That always makes for a better listening experience. I have no problem at all with guests come on our podcast and they have a great product or service that's designed to solve a marketing problem or enhance an area of marketing that makes all of our lives more enjoyable. I have no problem with discussing that. But in some cases, that's just not the case. And some people don't have great products or they don't have great service or they're not doing anything revolutionary. And so when you try and force that and sell that to a listener, I mean, number one, it just doesn't make for a good podcast. But number two, just as a guest, you have to think to yourself, how is that message going to be received? People can hear this. They can hear when it's genuine. And if it's not genuine, you're actually going to do damage to your reputation as opposed to promote the product or service that you're trying to promote, that you're trying to push, that you're trying to sell. Um, So that is always a really interesting area of selecting guests. Characteristics of guests are so important. And you also get a feel from that from podcasts and from books. 
So if I read a book or I read an article and I, or I listen to a podcast before I invite a guest on, I very quickly get a sense of their kind of characteristics and whether they're going to make a good guest. So those are things that I look out for. When it comes to inbound pitches, there are some things that stand out to me. So let's start off with the bad. One of the things that I hate is when I get an inbound pitch or Sean receives an inbound pitch for someone that wants to be on the podcast and it's very obviously superficial. And it usually it starts out something along the lines of, hey, we love the Internet Marketing Podcast. We listened to episode 228 um, and we really liked when someone said something generic. You know, it's it's all it's either automated or semi-automated. There's no real thought into it. It's very obvious that it's not real. And those pretty much get automatically disregarded. I don't really read too much into those. The ones that stand out are more where the guest or their agent reaches out and says, you know, we've listened to your podcast. We know roughly the topics that you cover. Our guest covers this topic and we think that there's a really good natural fit. And here are some examples of the topics that we can cover. And they're pretty specific or niche. So one thing particularly about this marketing podcast, 600 episodes in, it can be really difficult to think of unique angles on topics. And so for me, that's homework. That's effort and time that I have to put in to come up with new ideas for podcasts if other people haven't thought of them. And so it really goes a long way if a guest or their team or their agent has already done that homework for me and actually can present a great idea to me. So here's this topic. You've maybe covered it in this way before, but here's an interesting new angle on this. Or, you know, I have this client and they're really interested in going in depth on this niche area of marketing. So being able to go niche, narrow in on a topic, go in depth and think of new angles on broad topics is something that I really look out for and really stands out in in an emailed pitch. And actually, just, just touch on that for a moment. So that's an email. I really have appreciated and have probably turned um, proposals into guests or published podcasts when I've been reached out to on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn messages are fine. I like those. They're super easy. I can very quickly get a feel with someone as to whether they'd be a good fit or not. So I like those. haven't had too many phone calls or too many direct emails. I'm definitely open to direct emails. So my email address is scott, S-C-O-T-T, dot colnut at sitevisibility.com. Or you can email marketing at sitevisibility.com. Direct emails are fine as well. Um, sometimes that helps. That means Sean has less admin to do if they come directly to me. And I can quickly make an assessment as, about, as to whether someone's a good fit or not. Avoid anything superficial. Superficial is always see-through. Superficial doesn't make it onto this podcast. It just generally doesn't make a good podcast and it's certainly not what I'm looking out for. And as I'm thinking this through, I'm smiling as well because hopefully you're listening and you're a marketer. You know, hopefully you can just ex- just if you're trying to get on podcasts, just experiment. I've had people send me like little pieces of merch before. That always really goes down well. Um, you've got to do something to get on our radar, but also that's just a principle for any podcast that you want to be a guest on. If it's a popular podcast, you're going to have to try something different. So see that as a creative challenge. Have a bit of fun with it. Try something a little different just to get yourself on the radar. Yeah, just try something different and make life a little bit easier for the host or the producer of the podcast. One thing that we don't have necessarily is a hit list of guests that we do want on the podcast. That's definitely something I'll be working on with Sean because there are some marketers out there doing some amazing work and I'd love to 
surface their work and bring them onto the podcast. So we we have trolled that a little bit in the past. Uh, we're fairly limited as a relatively small agency in the amount of resource that we can commit to this podcast as a siloed project. And so we don't have this kind of huge 100 people we'd love to get on the podcast, but we're definitely going in that direction. And you can expect, you know, if we reach out to you, that means that we've actually done our research. We know your body of work already, and we think you'd, you'd make a great guest. And there have been plenty of our guests on the podcast over the year that we've actually reached out to them because we thought they'd bring you great marketing insight. So another question that sometimes comes up, and this can be from colleagues, it can be from guests, it can be particularly be from agents, is what are the next steps? So let's say that we've reached out to someone and they think they'd be a good fit or someone uh, sends us a pitch and we think they'd be a good fit. What comes next? I'm really interested in this space and as a host and someone that's, you know, I'm a managing, I'm the managing director of site visibility uh, outside of my podcasting duties. And so I'm looking to make this process as efficient as possible for myself. And I started off using Calendly and I was using Calendly for about a year, but and it's funny because I've seen this tweeted before. I don't know who works. I don't want to trash them too much, but Calendly is not the easiest to use. I didn't enjoy using it. And so I've been out on the lookout and I've been trying to find different solutions to Calendly for a little while. And I recently fell upon Tidy Cal, which is an AppSumo original product. And, you know, it's still, uh, they're still early on in that journey, but that's what I'm using at the moment. It seems to be working for me so far. I'm a, I'm a month or two into using it. And the interface is just so much, the, the user experience and the interface is just so much easier to use than Calendly. So typically, um, one of the first things I do is say to a guest, you know, here's my Calendly link or here's my tidy cow link. Please book yourself on at a time that you're most comfortable. I usually have slots available for, two to three months in advance of um, when I send the email and then people can put themselves on. So it's a really simple process. And in a moment, I'll get on to kind of what happens next and how I start to prepare for podcasts once a guest is booked on. That is me reading a book very clearly. That is me. That is the pace that I read books. Preparation. So how do we prepare for the internet marketing podcast what happens behind the scenes once someone's booked on this has probably been one of my biggest lessons over the last year a quick plug i host this podcast but also my personal podcast the advertising hour and i've been hosting that for about a year too and so my foray into podcasting is relatively new in terms of hosting and production and editing having said that i mentioned earlier um, I've been working behind the scenes on this podcast since maybe 2015, 2016. Another thing that you should maybe know about me, perhaps this is interesting, I'm not sure, is that um, so Neil Patel and Eric Sue, they host the Marketing School podcast. It's a very popular daily podcast. I think they've been hosting that for about three years now, maybe even longer. And I used to send them topic ideas for their podcast, probably up until their first maybe thousand episodes. And I did that just out of curiosity for podcasting. I was, I followed Neil Patel for a while. I followed Eric Sue for a while. I was really interested and thought that their practical take on short daily marketing topics was really interesting. I think that's proven to be true. They have a hugely successful podcast in marketing school now. So I've been working behind the scenes in different areas of podcasting for quite a while. I've seen 
the amount of preparation that goes into the production side. But as a host, that's completely different. You have a, you have another element of preparation, which is all of the research, particularly for interview based podcasts. So for me, I mentioned a guest can book themselves on, they'll book themselves on anywhere between two weeks to maybe three months out from a podcast is recorded. I start preparing for podcasts. So bear in mind that we have one a week for this particular podcast. I start preparing for podcasts anywhere between one month or one week out from the podcast recording. Typically, as every podcast host might tell you, and as you might suspect, I like to prepare as far in advance as possible. I don't like to leave it the night before or two days before, before a podcast, having not prepared, having not done my research. Um, there have been times where that's happened and I've had to cancel podcasts because I don't want to bring you a podcast that's half-hearted. I want to have done my research to respect the guests' time, their efforts, and to bring you the best conversation too. So typically anywhere between a month and a week out. A week out will give me, if a guest has multiple, if a guest had podcasts or they've got articles or they've written a book, that gives me some time to consume their material and you know, really just process what it is that they've produced to help me fall onto topics and fall more naturally into topics that I want to discuss. So actually that's a nice transition into how are the topics agreed? That's a question I get a lot from particularly from podcast agents. Some they might say, great, you're happy to have our client on your podcast. What do we do next? What topics are agreed? How do we agree them? So once as a once a guest is booked in, I'll ask them plenty of time in advance if there's any specific topic they do or do not want to cover so that I can factor that in early. And that's just been a really great tip and a really useful lesson for me because the earlier that you can get buy-in from a guest into a podcast, the more comfortable it is on the day when you go to record because they know what to expect. They know you've given them permission to include or exclude the topics that they do or don't want covered. And that really goes a long way to just starting off on the right foot and having a great conversation. There is nothing worse and I've been in this position for sure, where I've sat down for a podcast and either maybe a guest hasn't received that information or maybe they're just feeling a bit nervous or defensive and there are topics that they don't particularly want to cover and I start talking about them early on. That does make for a bit of an awkward conversation. It makes the guest tense. Um, for me, I kind of see it as a bit of a creative challenge, so I don't, I'm, I'm even smiling as I'm talking about it. It's... I like to overcome that challenge, but I don't like putting the guests in a position where they're particularly uncomfortable. So that's something that I try to avoid. And then it's really a question of how much do I prepare and how much should the guests prepare? So bear in mind, the guests are giving up a lot of that. So we we don't pay for guests. I have seen that happen now a little bit more frequently in the podcasting space, but still it's not all that common. Um, a lot of people that are guests on this podcast are giving their time up for free. And so I want to respect that time. And I do. And that means that I put in my time to research. So our recordings are anywhere between 40 minutes and an hour long. I can be researching my research. The minimum amount of time that I put into research for this podcast is about an hour. The maximum amount of time is probably about half a day to a day. If someone has a book or a long book or multiple books, you know, you want to put the time in to make sure that you surface the questions that are going to engage them and that you don't cover things. This is another really important point. 
if guests have written about topics and they've already covered a topic in detail on their podcast or in their book, you don't just want to ask them the questions that are already covered in those resources, in those things that they have produced, because they just want to point people in the direction of their resources. What I want to do is engage them in conversation around those topics to surface new information or to seek their insights from a different angle, different perspective on the things that they care about. So a lot of research goes into that side of things. Typically, I'll I'll ask guests and I'll say, look, if you have a book, if you have a podcast, send that my way first so I can look at it. In the absence of guests sending anything to me or podcast agents sending anything to me, I'll go away and do my own research. And pretty much all of the podcasts, I would say maybe 80 to 85% of the podcasts that you've listened to over this last year, they're all based around my curiosity and research. So most guests are busy. They have other jobs and they don't really have a lot of time to commit or they don't want to commit a lot of time to structuring a podcast and thinking about the topics more than their initial pitch, which is fine. I see that as a responsibility as as a host, as an interviewer, that I should go away and make the most of that research time to try and create the best podcast possible. I see that as my job. But yeah, if if you're If you're out there and you're thinking about starting a podcast or maybe you've started yours and you're finding it quite disheartening because it's it's taking a lot of research, my experience has been most guests don't put in a significant amount of research time. And from my view, I think that's okay because they're giving up their time for free. And I think there's, there's, there's always mutual benefit. Providing that the guests have the characteristics that I've referenced previously, and they approach conversations openly, and they're willing to commit to an interesting conversation and engage, that's all I can ask of them. I don't expect anything else. And I guess one other thing that I'm conscious of is not to over-prepare. And I probably did do this a little bit early on in my podcasting journey a year or so ago, 70 episodes or so ago. I didn't want to be in a position where a guest talks about a topic or talks about something in a book or talks about something on their blog and I hadn't read about it, or I hadn't done that part of my research. For me, that was hugely embarrassing early on. And that just, I think that's just part of the learning process and just getting comfortable with your own voice and your own position as a host. You know, you don't have the answer to everything. And actually, I was talking to, this is on my personal podcast, The Advertising Hour. I was talking to another podcast host about this topic. His name's Sam Brake Gear. And he was explaining that as a host, he feels a pressure because when a guest has answered a question, there's almost like the pressure on the host to continue the conversation or to respond to every point that's made. And sometimes we as hosts just aren't experts on all of these different topics. I am a generalist marketer, but I'm certainly not an expert in all of these disciplines that I cover. And um, I think that there was just a, the nervousness around that early on caused me maybe to over-prepare, to worry about reading all of the books or listen to all of the podcasts or just spend too much time on preparation. And as I fell into podcasting a little bit more, I realized that actually when you over-prepare, you go into a podcast and it almost can feel like an interrogation of a guest as opposed to a conversation if you worry too much about that over-preparation. I feel like I said preparation a lot there. But you understand my perspective on that. And hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight into how I prepare, how much I prepare. And man, am I reading a lot of books. You know, our guests 
yeah, if our guests have written, let's say, for example, I've got four guests on in a month and they've all written books. I could be reading four or five books, you know, depending on how many they've written a month and outside of my normal reading. Actually, here's one tip. Kindle Unlimited has been a huge blessing. So Kindle Unlimited in the UK costs about $7.99 a month. And Kindle Unlimited, a lot of the guests that come on this podcast, they enroll in the Kindle, I think it's, I can't remember what it's called, Kindle Direct, or maybe it's the Kindle Unlimited scheme where their books are, uh, you can get their books for free if you're a subscriber to Kindle Unlimited. And so that's definitely paid off for me over the last year. Um, I read a lot of books from my Kindle Unlimited subscription and spend a lot of time in the Amazon ecosystem because of that. That is the sound of my brain processing the amount of research that I do for podcasts. But once all that's done, so once the podcast is fully researched and I'm in a position to structure a podcast, what I'll do is I'll outline the topics, I'll outline the title, and I'll share with guests a Google Doc. And that Google Doc will, and this is an interesting part of podcasting, is that I just talked there about over-preparation. I like to have a structure for a podcast. I have some notes in front of me actually for the structure of this podcast, but I don't like to have a script. I'm a podcast listener. I listen to so many different podcasts and my favorites and how I'm influenced. I'm influenced by interview-based podcasts that are well-researched and that don't necessarily follow a script. Now, there are some scripted podcasts that I love. One is uh, on the, I think it's on the audio uh, is it? I think it's Audio Boom Originals platform. It's a podcast called Mafia. It's a really well-produced podcast about the mob. And that is scripted and it's written really well. And there is a place for that in podcasting. But in interview-based podcasting, that's just not for me. That's not my style of interviewing. That's not my style of hosting. And I like to have structure because if a guest does go off topic, if they do go on a tangent, if they are maybe being too salesy or speaking too much about their product or service, I can bring it back into the conversation that is shared in front of them via a Google Doc. So I do like to have structure. I do love to give guests an idea of the topics that I'm going to cover. And that's another point related to buy-in. So I want to get guests buy-in as early as possible. And so I specifically detail the topics, maybe not specifically always the questions, but I'll bullet point the topics, the ideas, the structure of a podcast to get their buy-in before we even press record. Um, that's a really important point to me. Again, everything in the lead up to our podcast for me is to make both me and the guest as comfortable as possible so that we can have a relaxed conversation. Because if someone's guards down a little bit more for me, it really allows me to challenge their thinking and they're open to that. And it also allows them to challenge my thinking and I'm more open to that. Um, so I just find that the the further in advance I can share a Google Doc with the guest featuring all of this information for an upcoming podcast, the better. And I also give guests shared access. That's another thing. So I don't, it's just, I don't want this to just be a me thing. I give them the opportunity. I give guests the opportunity to add comments or have a space for them to add their notes, anything that they want to share with me. And that's proven really useful as well, because sometimes I can arrive on the day for a podcast and a guest has put in a comment in to say, Hey, please don't ask this question or, um, I really don't want to talk about this previous job or something. And that's fine. That just helps me on the day. And again, there's no awkward conversations during the podcast impact recording when that's in place. Oh, and just one final point on the preparation part. Uh, Trello. Trello is also coming really helpful. So Sean and I have a shared Trello board where we have 
columns for people that we've reached out to, people that have reached out to us, people that are booked in for recordings, people that have already been recorded, and then a publishing date. So that keeps us pretty well organized. So there are only a few t- a few tools that go into this that keep us prepared. But Google Docs is one, Trello's one, Calendly is okay. But more recently, I've orientated towards TidyCal. And those things alone are pretty much all that I need and all that I use behind the scenes here on the Internet Marketing Podcast to ensure things run as smoothly as possible. What happens on the day of recording when you're ready to press that big red button to press record? It could be a nervy moment, even for me. You know, I've done a, a loads of episodes now, but sometimes I do sit down. Uh, you know, maybe I've got something on ice. Usually I've got my cat by my side. It really does range. Sometimes it's just, it's pretty normal. It's pretty natural. You're speaking to someone for the first time. You do get the those kind of pre-conversation nerves. I've got a little bit more used to it now. And I'm generally not a nervous person when it comes to talking about marketing and the things that I'm passionate about anyway. But that said, you know, guests are in a different position to me. And one of my goals, as soon as I, well, even before I press record, as we sit down for that first time and we start talking to each other, I have to put people in a position where I try and make them more comfortable. Uh, and so I think it's really interesting to talk about that part. There's a book and, um, I haven't read it yet. It's one of those books that I've bought, but I've not read. But I'm really curious to read it because it's called, I think it's called The First Minute. I'll have to double check it and I'll add it to the show notes. But it's all around the conversations, the icebreakers that you have when meeting people for the first time. And of course, that's uh, so important when you're not meeting people in face-to-face anymore and maybe you're meeting them remotely. And for this podcast, I'm meeting them via audio only. So this is an audio only podcast by choice. I wanted to put the emphasis on the audio quality for this podcast. And actually, I have tried and experimented a little bit with video podcasts, but I've always found it adds a level of perhaps nervousness and takes away, maybe distracts from the conversations that I want to have. So you could argue that that's a little bit selfish because it's the preference of mine. This has been an audio only podcast for a very long time. But I just think for now, we're probably going to stick with that format for me it's always lent itself to better conversations and again that's where i want to hear from you i want you to be the judge and you tell me whether that's true or not maybe you'd like to see video podcasts maybe you'd like to see more live podcasts that's definitely something that i'm open to before we press record how do i how do i get people more comfortable what happens before i press the red button well five to ten minutes before i start recording i do a sound check I make sure that everything's connected on my end. I'll record, I'll do a test one, two, three, just to make sure that there are no yeah, no issues, no technical issues with recording that are going to impact the final output. That has happened to me particularly earlier on over the last year where I've recorded episodes and maybe something hasn't been connected correctly or yeah, maybe there's an integration with Google Drive that's not working and I've either lost some audio or the audio isn't up to the quality that I'd expect and that can all, always be really frustrating. So one thing I started to adapt and build into my routine pretty early on was having that five to 10 minutes before I start recording to do a sound check. I use a platform called Zencaster for remote recordings. Um, Zencaster is a browser-based solution for remote interviews, and it's never let me down. So I did experiment with a lot of browser-based or cloud-based podcasting solutions. Maybe I'll talk about those in a moment. But I fell on Zencaster early and it's never let me down. So I've had no real reason to move away from it. 
So with Zencast, it's a pretty simple shared audio interface, browser-based audio interface, where guests can record, mute themselves as a chat functionality. Pretty simple, like you would get in any audio editor. And what happens is the reason I particularly like Zencaster is that the audio is recorded locally, so on my machine and then the guest's machine, and then it's uploaded to the Google, uh, Google Drive right at the end of recording. And the reason that's so important is because it means that I can edit, if I need to, each individual's audio file. So sometimes there have been a podcast where I've hosted maybe roundtable discussions or maybe three or four. I think the maximum we've maybe had over the last year is maybe four. Um, let's say four people on a podcast. They've all got their own audio interfaces. And so having everyone's individual file gives me more flexible editing capabilities, which is really helpful for me as an editor. Um, so that's the reason I choose Zencaster. That's the reason I've gone for this solution. And in the five to 10 minutes before I even press record, I really just talk guests through how Zencaster works. We discuss the episode. I typically will ask guests what they're doing, where are they in their day. My number one goal is to figure out what mood are they in, what have they got coming up next, what have they just come from. Podcasting is really hard. You need to be in a mental space where you can commit to it in the moment. So sometimes, you know, I've joined podcasts before and I've said to guests, take five minutes. So let's just start five minutes later. Maybe they need to go get a drink, have some food. They've just come from a tough meeting. All of those things I need to consider as a host to get the best guests and to get the guests as comfortable as possible and also ultimately for the best podcast possible. So there's a lot that happens in that five to 10 minutes before I even start recording and before you hear the start of the podcast where I always botch the intro and mess up a guest name or their title or something. There's quite a lot that happens in that five to 10 minutes before you hear me for the first time. And of course, one of the first questions that I get from guests when they're speaking to me before we press record is, you know, can you hear me? How's the sound quality? Sometimes I'll get that in advance of podcasts, which is again, one of the reasons I'm recording this episode today. So what makes for an optimal recording? What kind of environment needs to be in place for anyone out there that's podcasting, whether it's coming on this podcast or thinking of another podcast, having a quiet space. Um, hopefully this isn't too controversial, but making sure children and pets and, I don't know, any paranormal activity, they're all kept at bay. Get it all out of the way. So make sure that you're in a space where you can concentrate there are no devices that you've got on with notifications on. In fact, this is a pet peeve of mine as a host is when I have a guest, we're recording, we're flowing well, and then they get a notification that comes through on the audio because that's a horrible listening experience. So again, if you're coming on this podcast or going on another one, turn your notifications off to just turn your phone. Do you know what? It's just as a host, it's even lovely. One of the first things that I do thinking about rituals and when I'm preparing 10 minutes before the podcast, I just turn my phone off. And you know what, how nice it is just to have my phone off for an hour or two as I'm recording a podcast. Uh, it's a really nice place to be. And it helps me narrow in on the conversation on the person I'm speaking to. So I'd recommend that too. I, I, you know, I've had, I've recorded podcasts in the past and you might even hear this one today with seagulls in the background. And I mentioned that I've got a cat that I record next to. Some of that does help for a more authentic podcast recording. I'm not looking for perfection. But loud children, barking dogs, meowing cats, it can impact the audio experience and actually take away from a good conversation sometimes. So there is a balance. You know, you, you don't, for me personally, for this podcast and just as a podcast listener, I'm not looking for perfection. The authenticity is sometimes a really nice touch, but you've got to find and strike that balance. 
And another thing, and I found this out more recently, is I switched laptops and I went from a Surface laptop, a Lenovo laptop. And the Lenovo laptop wasn't fanless. So it had this really loud whirring fan. And that drove me crazy because I could hear the hum from it as I was recording a podcast. So I've switched back for this episode today. I've switched back to a Surface Go laptop that I'm recording on. Uh, but in general, you know, if you're a guest on a podcast or even you're a podcast house host out there and you're wondering, you know, what makes for the best optimal recording, try and get yourself in a quieter environment, a quiet environment. Try and make sure you get rid of all electrical hum. So whether that's air conditioners or fans or refrigerators or even just um, electrical outputs, just try and make sure that you're away from all of that. Now, I realize this is a little bit hypocritical today because I'm recording in a different environment. I don't expect this to be the best audio quality, um, but hopefully you're here over the last 100 episodes. I've paid particular attention on all of these things. This is learned through experience to try and bring you the best episodes and the best audio quality. Soundproofing is not 100% necessary, but it does help. So I personally have a soundproof room when I record from home. And the other thing that does help, but it's not essential, is to have a backup audio interface, something where you can record locally outside of a browser-based solution onto an SD card, onto a USB card uh, stick, anything that gives you a backup. Again, I found that out pretty early. I've only had, fortunately, one episode that I've recorded on this podcast and combined with the Advertising Hour podcast that I've completely lost. Uh, and that was because I didn't have a backup solution in place. I learned my lesson. I now have a backup solution in place for every recording. So definitely get that in place. And, and lastly, the, the the question that I always get and that anyone that goes into podcasting gets is, what mic do you need? And that's a really tough one because I will definitely say that a good mic goes a long way. So as a host and as an editor, I've been through, I started off podcasting with the, I started off with the Blue Yeti mic and I found that that, you know, I'd read a lot about it. It's got a lot of good reviews and I thought that was going to work out and it didn't. In fact, it was horrible for my recording environment. It picked up all of the background noise. I just couldn't get it to work in, the, in my environment recording from home. So I switched out to a Scarlett mic, which comes with this, uh, the Focusrite interface. And that was okay, but it was more designed for singing than it was for podcasting. And it wasn't ideal. It still picked up a lot of background noise. And so then I made the switch to the Rode pod mic. And that's been the podcast of choice really for me for the last maybe nine months now. Uh, I really like the Rode pod mic. It works in my environment really well. And so there's been a little bit of trial and error there. And I think that's the case for everyone. There is no single best mic apart from maybe the Shure SM7B, which is a broadcasting standard. But even then, I've heard that that can pick up a lot of background noise in the wrong environment. So it might take a little bit of trial and error. You've got to think about the room that you're in, the environment that you're in. You've got to think about the portability factor. Are you recording at home? Are you recording in a soundproof environment? how much background noise is there, and then make the decision on the mic that you buy based on all of those factors. If you're thinking about launching a podcast or you're struggling with this, reach out to me. Maybe I can help. Um, I've been through that process. I think those are the only mics. Oh, and of course, I'm recording today on a Samsung Go mic, which is the first time I've recorded on this microphone in a completely different environment because of its portability factor. So 
yeah, definitely a lot of consideration that you should put into as it, whether you're a guest or a podcast host into the mic of choice. I can tell you that I've spent, I've saved so much editing time. A good microphone will save you hours in editing time. So I've really learned my lesson when it comes to that. The Rode Pod mic for, has worked for me and has saved me a lot of editing time um, since I've moved particularly away from the Blue Yeti and the Scarlet mic early on. And then also, um, this is a tough one as well. It's you just kind of got to have a good pair of over ear headphones. You generally don't want any headphones where the, the audio leaks from the headphones back into your speaker. You don't want that scenario. That also doesn't make for the optimal recording. A closed ear headphone is best. You know, Sennheiser, Rode, any of those are really good. Again, if you need any help choosing them, uh, reach out to me. The one thing that is, has been interesting though is I have had a few guests over the last year that have recorded podcasts with the Apple AirPods uh, or the AirPods Pro. And for some reason, they must just be an exceptional product. I'm not an Apple user. I'm an Android person myself. Uh, but those seem to make for really good podcast recordings. I don't have too many issues when recording with people that are using AirPods. So maybe that's something to experiment and try yourself as well. So another question that I get is, you know, why don't you use Zoom? Why Zencaster? So I did try and I have tried Zoom. I've tried Squadcast, Riverside FM. Uh, Squadcast and Riverside FM in particular uh, are very similar to Zencaster. As I said, with Zencaster, I've never really had any problems, which is why I've stuck with it. You also get some post-production credits with Zencaster that help you to tidy up your audio recordings. And I find that to be a really nice value add. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if I need to use that feature today after this recording. So that's the reason I've stuck with Zencaster. There's nothing wrong with Riverside FM and Squadcast. I've used them. I've trialed them. They're good products. They're all very similar. Um, so if you find good deals on those particular products um, or services, I would recommend them. Um, Zoom is the only one that really didn't, you know, I did get this question a lot. And I've had this question from guests and people that are interested in podcasting. You know, why not use Zoom? It's free. Um, and the truth is, and again, maybe this is the perfectionist in me, the audiophile in me. The audio quality for me wasn't as good as I needed it to be. There were lots of those kind of glitchy noises, um, sometimes lots of hiss or hum. Um, it just didn't feel right for the kind of environment that I wanted. So, and I, there were also some technical issues sometimes that I had with bandwidth related issues or guests dropping out and it just didn't feel that intuitive. It didn't feel that robust. And so I opted not to use Zoom and I've stuck with Zencaster because, it, I, I, again, I've had no problems. And if you have no problems with something like podcasting, you always want to limit your risk as much as possible, particularly when you're recording and publishing an episode a week. So um, Zencaster has been the choice for me. That's my noise for leveling up. So what else have I learned from this podcasting journey that I can help with? Um, when it comes to whether it's a podcast host or as a guest, someone that's maybe thinking about coming on the podcast, probably the number one question that I get or the number one question that I sense is what happens if you're recording a podcast and you mess up? So sometimes, you know, I've, I've mentioned I'm recording from home. I've been recording from home for the last year and a half. I've never actually recorded in a studio. I had to build my kind of work from home office all around podcasting. And that means that shit happens. It just happens. I've had, I don't even, it might even appear on this podcast, but seagulls. In fact, I had, I had a pet seagull 
that I was looking after because it fell into my um, it fell outside my office window and so I was nurturing this pet seagull to adulthood that was last year you know we're all working from home I have orders from Amazon every other day I can't stop buying shit from Amazon so I'm constantly getting knocks at the door the neighbors are home because they're working from home they're singing in the shower my cat's next to me. He sleeps on the podcast, no, next to the podcast. He snores. Sometimes he'll scratch the microphone. Sometimes he'll try and fight with me as I'm recording. There is so much that happens uh, during recording. And it's okay. That's really the, the answer that I give to all of the guests. And my advice to any podcast host is that everyone's pretty much understanding of what we've been through over these last 18 months. Everyone's pretty understanding that you don't always have the optimal recording environment life happens um it can build into that authenticity of the podcast and ultimately you can edit stuff out so you know sirens or birds or knocks on the door or things that fall over or hiss or noise whatever it is it can always almost always almost almost always be addressed in the editing side of thing uh in post-production in editing you know, I, I've struggled sometimes to edit out my cat Miles when he meows. That is really difficult to edit out. I've struggled to edit out sirens. But when it comes to normal conversations and, you know, the ums, the ahs, the deep breathing, the taking a drink, knocking your watch against desks, spilling over a drink, stumbling your words, you know, it's just a conversation. Those things can be edited out. Those things happen in normal conversations and they're really never as bad as you think they're going to be. So the number one piece of advice that I would give to any podcast host or any podcast guest, and I actually say this in that first five to 10 minutes before I start recording is just don't worry. I can edit most things out. If you ever need me to repeat a question, I can repeat a question. If you need me to rephrase a question, I can rephrase a question. If you want to repeat an answer, you can repeat an answer. If you want to skip a question, you can skip a question. If you want to have an off the record note and talk to me about something we can do that it's really never a problem so that, i guess that's my number one piece of advice and my number one insight definitely the number one question that i either see out there in the podcast community or that i sense as that i sense contributes towards some anxiety for hosts but also for guests i would like to close this episode by thinking about the future, the future of this podcast, the future of this community, maybe the future of you that are listening. Obviously, that that noise, that flyby, that was a UFO. That's my vision of the future. I don't know where we're headed. I don't know where we are, actually, at the moment. Uh, but I think we're going somewhere good. I hope to be going somewhere good. And a few notes that I've got in front of me to think of the future of this podcast, probably that I've touched on as I've been talking throughout this episode. So definitely got to get a new jingle. To be honest, I've had a ball experimenting with sound effects for this episode. Uh, I had so much fun in preparation for this episode, just uh, exploring sound effects. And I wanted to add more in, and then I just realized it would be a horrible listening experience and all for my benefit alone. So apologies, even if you think that the sound effects that have been included in today's episode have been overkill. It's largely for my amusement. Please just humor me and enjoy them for now. Uh, but yeah, if you're a, if you're a musician, a jingle maker, uh, a producer, a beat maker, whatever you are, maybe you could do something cool for us. Oh, what's that? Even then, I think I heard something in the background. 
that ties in nicely with what I was saying about authenticity. I think they're gone. It's getting dark outside at this point, so I'm getting a little bit nervy. I've got to head home. Um, got to get away from this productivity graveyard, as I called it. So on the jingle point, um, if you could do something for us, maybe you've got a service that helps you create jingles. I don't know. Just uh, get in touch. I'd, l- I'd love to experiment with that a little bit in the future. I'm looking for something new for the evolution of this podcast. Um, actually, I just had a message, an email from Sean today on this next topic, but it's about testing new formats. So my number one goal, as I said, is just to bring you great marketing interviews, insights over the last year, um, maybe longer interviews, more in-depth, more well-researched, contribute a lot of that to help surface more interesting, maybe more useful uh, or engaging marketing advice than we had historically. And that's not to discredit Andy. Andy did a great job. But I don't think the interview format lends itself to the previous episodes particularly well that we were producing that were 10 to 20 minutes long. I think you require a little bit more time with guests to have engaging conversations. So Sean sent me an email about testing live podcasting and maybe even get into a video a bit. So I talked earlier about I'm not really into the idea of video podcasts. I'm just not well set up for that. We're not well set up for that as a company at the moment. I'm working from home. There's a lot going on, but it's definitely something I can see myself experimenting with in the future. If you would like to see video podcasts, maybe you listen to a lot of podcasts on YouTube or watch a lot of podcasts on YouTube, again, reach out to us. Let us know if that's something you'd really like to see because I'm willing to invest my time in that area. And I think that could be a fun experiment for the evolution of this podcast. And I'm really interested in live. And that is something I think I'll experiment a little bit more with, whether that's live solo episodes or whether that's um, live interviews. There, the aspect of live is quite exciting. The exclusivity of live potentially as a marketer is quite exciting. So that also means that I might experiment a little bit with the community in this podcast in Twitter spaces and maybe Spotify green room. Maybe that's coming in our future. At the moment, it's a little bit in the distance, maybe for next year, 2022. Uh, but that's something certainly I'm keeping my eye on. And again, just as a podcast, as someone that's interested in the audio space, Twitter spaces and Spotify green room um, as an evolution of what cr- a clubhouse brought to the scene is something that's really interesting to me. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, the format. So this, just this episode alone is a completely different format to anything that we've had over the last year or two a solo episode, just discussing behind the scenes in the marketing podcast. But I'd be happy to come on and do solo episodes about marketing news, Q&As potentially. Um, If you have questions as listeners that you would like me to cover and want my opinion on or want me to bring a guest on to discuss, I'm open to all of those different format types. I'm also not opposed to the idea of shortening the episode lengths, um, maybe going to those five, 10-minute episodes, but producing something that's really practical and maybe not so much interview-based. So there are lots of things I'm happy to experiment with, and you can expect me to experiment with, and our team here at Site Visibility to experiment with into the future when it comes to format. And then the last thing when it comes to the future, and this is the thing that I'm so interested in as a podcaster, is advertising. So I hate our programmatic ads. Those things that you hear at the beginning in the episode and sometimes in the mid-roll of our episode, those automated adverts that we don't choose but that our host puts into our podcast i really don't like them as i said i'm a podcast listener myself and as a podcast listener my favorite types of episodes are those you know if you have to have sponsorship and you want to make money through advertising the best episodes for me as a listener 
are those that are either sponsored episodes around a particular subject or topic or where you have host-read sponsored ads. So that's why you've seen us experiment with the sponsored ads over this last year. I've really enjoyed the sponsored ad episodes where we've gone into a, a deep dive into a product or a service or a report. You can trust that anything that I bring to the podcast is going to be of quality. I wouldn't recommend or record a sponsored episode around a topic, a product or a service if I didn't really believe there was something interesting in it. And I didn't think it could be of value to you as a marketer. And so we're probably going to experiment or try to experiment a lot more with those as well. My ideal scenario for this podcast is to have no programmatic ads and just have the occasional host read ads and sponsored episodes. So if you are interested in advertising on this podcast, maybe you want to record an episode with me about your product or service, and uh, you want to do that in a way that's natural, of benefit to marketers, that brings value to all parties, please reach out to us. Again, all of the details for uh, contact details are in the show notes. And so we're at the end of this episode. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed talking through all this. I have no idea whether you've enjoyed it. That's what I want to hear from you. I wanted to bring you something different. I wanted to get into a different environment. I wanted to, yeah, test different recording equipment. I wanted to experiment a little bit with this episode. I wanted to really satisfy my own curiosity and some of the questions that I get. And I wanted to address this issue of who are our audience. Well, as I said earlier on, the only way in which I'm going to get to know you is if you get to know me and you get to know us at Site Visibility. And so I hope you've learned a little bit more about the podcast and maybe podcasting in general. If you like this episode and you have any feedback, you want to be a guest, maybe you have a topic or a guest suggestion, just anything, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Scott Colnut, S-C-O-T-T-C-O-L-E-N-U-T-T. You can email me at scott.colnut at sitevisibility.com. You can tweet us and find us on all social platforms at sitevisibility. You can email us at marketing at sitevisibility.com there are endless ways to get in touch with us i'd love to hear from you i would love to have some of the guests who have been listening for a long time on the podcast contributing to topics being a part of this podcast future and learn a little bit more about how you're learning about podcasting and the podcast that you're listening to as well outside of this one so i just want to say, say thanks so much for your time now i'm at sound effects i've been speaking for quite a long time i'm out of breath now and i've got to get away from this i don't know what it feels like it is like a time capsule. Yeah, it feels weird being back in the office. This does feel like an office feels like a bit of a halfway house, but we've just we've designated fire wardens. I can't believe that believe that I've been away from the office for so long. I can't believe that I spent so long here. I'm an advocate for remote working. I'm an advocate for remote recording. Uh, maybe we'll cover cover that episode more in the future as well. I hope that you're all staying safe. You're staying well wherever you're working from too, even if you are working in an office and you're back to normal with your colleagues. I've enjoyed having this time to myself. Thanks for your time. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. 
Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 